How are Democrats and Republicans coming together to move forward with swift climate action? In today's Greenlight episode, I will speak with Julia Piper, contributing editor for Green Tech Media, host and producer of Political Climate and Atlantic Council Senior Fellow, about this her bipartisan, climate-focused podcast, and how our industry can move forward with greater diversity, equity, and inclusion. Thanks for tuning into The Green Light. Now let's dive in. I'm Catherine McLean, founder and CEO of Dylan Green, and today I have with me the Julia Piper. Welcome, Julia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, Julia, you have such an impressive background, Master's of Science in Journalism at Columbia, worked for CBS News, a senior editor of Green Tech Media, senior fellow with the Atlantic Council, and now you're starting and hosting your own podcast. What would be the critical factor to your career success, and what advice can you give to women looking to follow in your footsteps? Uh, well, thank you for that kind introduction. I always feel like I'm just in the thick of it. I'm like, have I done anything with my life? I feel like that's the challenge we sometimes have, perhaps as women in the workplace in particular. But yeah, I think, you know, a degree of luck is always helpful. But I will yeah. say that I put a lot of long hours in. I really made sure my first job at the outset, I know no one even does this anymore, but wrote like a handwritten note to get in there. And I got my first job at E&E News. And it honestly paid dividends. I'm actually Canadian. So I got a work visa through that and really just made sure that I did everything I could to try and be good at the job itself. And it's really interesting how doors open up that you don't expect. Working for a B2B news publication was not what I initially thought I would do. I thought I would you know, work in mainstream news, but it ended up being a fascinating beat, got to cover you know, issues on Capitol Hill. So I think also being open-minded to where your career trajectory goes is helpful and accept new opportunities as they come. And then here we are, did not think I'd start my own company or podcast about bipartisan climate and energy issues, you know, everyone's favorite cuddly topic. But here we are doing that. So it's interesting, the twists and turns. And the last thing I'll say is just being lucky to have other mentors and supporters and really grateful to other women in particular who helped bring other women up. And that's been critical for me and men too, I will say. I couldn't agree more. I think that sometimes you can have too much of a plan. You kind of need to let life happen and go on the journey that you're meant to be on. So want to talk about your political climate podcast. What motivated you to start the podcast, Political Climate, and what role do you think it fulfills either within the industry or outside the industry? Yeah, you know, we really did it kind of as an exploratory thing. So political climate is backed with grant money from the University of Southern California's Schwarzenegger Institute. And it's been amazing to work with them. They are super supportive, but also give us editorial freedom. So the conceit was just, could you bring together a Democrat, in this case, Brandon Hurlbut, who served as chief of staff of the Department of Energy, and former Paul Ryan energy advisor, Shane Skelton, and Shane is my Republican co-host, and bring us together and have civilized conversations on climate and energy and really broaden the Overton window. I think the, the thesis was there are more people, especially on the right, who care about this issue and have ideas, but they don't really have a place to go mm-hmm. where they'll be able to share those ideas, be listened to. But it was really an, an attempt to also just to show that in today's polarized media landscape, you could have some fun, even if you do have different political opinions. I do want to stress that we don't challenge climate science. We do not indulge denialism or things like that, but do hash out the policies and the politics. And it's been honestly an intellectual roller coaster figuring out like, you know, what is possible in today's world. But I hope that it at least provides a space for people to explore things in a more nuanced way and in a civilized and entertaining way too. Do you find that they change their minds, the people that you're speaking to, that they may say, actually, you know what, you're right. That's a good point. 
Yeah, that does actually happen where there's kind of a breakthrough. Like I never heard it that way. Even my two co-hosts, they do consume different news. And so yeah. they're like, oh, I never knew that that was a thing. Yeah. And or there's being framed this way. There was even an op-ed we were chatting about this morning about could a conservative Supreme Court be good for climate action? And you're like, whoa, 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 how could that happen? There's a lot of lawsuits taking place. But the argument by, in this case, Charles Hernick, who is a conservative-leaning person who runs Crest, uh, they are a clean energy group. He was making the case that this will force lawmakers to actually pass strong legislation and not just have, you know, the, the justices basically legislating. So okay. lots of discussion to be had around that, but that is where we go with this of exploring those ideas. And I think this will be relevant no matter who wins the election in some ways, because it's not as though Democrats are entirely united. I don't want to sow discord unnecessarily, but there's a lot of different views on what the path forward should look like. And so we want to be the home for that, those kinds of discussions too. Yeah, that's great. So just talking about DEI for a bit, You've been outspoken about the disparities in terms of race, gender, and otherwise in the clean energy industry. So you had an article in Huffington Post to your interview with We Don't Have Time. You also have done a great job of amplifying diverse voices through your podcast. So what do you think diversity, equity, and inclusion are critical? And what do you think it will take for our industry to overcome these issues? I mean, it was funny. So I wrote this piece for Huffington Post and it came right as the pandemic was really taking a toll and all the jobless numbers were coming out. Yeah. And the assignment was though to look at the lack of diversity in the solar industry specifically, which you know, covering the space, I was like, I don't know if this is the top issue right now. Everyone's just trying to keep their staff together. But in retrospect, I do feel like it was really an important story. And I'm glad the editors, you know, really wanted this and we made it happen because I think as, as the economy rebuilds, this has to be front and center because there hasn't been a great track record in the past. There've been a lot of efforts, but it still very much skews white and male and say the solar industry, even where people are again, trying to hire for diversity inclusion. I think the first thing is also just to challenge assumptions about who's in the room. So one thing I heard a lot of was about, is it just big enviros as one local, uh, you know, grassroots African-American environmentalist told me in the Chicago area that they couldn't even get a seat at the table during some of the discussions around where jobs would go, where yeah. funding would be allocated as part of a state bill there. So that's the first thing is like, who's in the room? And then hearing more nuanced needs, like what are the job training needs? And I think just giving people a voice is step one, creating structures around that is going to be important too. Like, how do you make sure you getting someone in the room? Who organizes that? Yeah. Uh, how do you find that? I'm sure this is the kind of thing you think a lot about. But um, it just kind of pull back the curtain on even people who are trying to solve these issues may have some blind spots. So yeah. how do we lean into some of those awkward conversations, even if they're coming at the best time yeah. and have them so that you can be more proactive in future? Yeah, just such a learning process. So you'll never have all the answers. Just admitting that, you know, you're constantly going to be growing and developing and holding your hand up when you don't know the answer to something, I think is critical. I will um, just add that the, um, the yeah. solar industry came out recently with a letter in Green Tech Media, an op-ed that they published there that had, I think, four different commitments they were making to diversity and inclusion. And so this is the kind of response that I think you need to see. It's like industry is saying, okay, we got a problem. Let's not like avoid it. And here's our five-step plan or a four-step plan, whatever, to tackle it. That's got to be one. And then accountability is the next. Got to be the follow-through. So I want to talk a bit about clean energy jobs and the green economic recovery and your reporting around that. Based on your research and recent podcast episodes, what do you believe it will take to reboot the clean tech industry in light of the pandemic? I mean, everything I've learned is that it will require significant stimulus spending at this juncture in time. And 
At this point, we do know that one candidate, Joe Biden, has a plan for that. It's, at least it's not clear what the Trump administration would do. And so things like the Biden proposal for, uh, that's maybe putting it mildly, but things like the Biden proposal to invest $400 billion in uh, over the next 10 years in a broad, wide range of clean energy innovation and solutions is key. And the broader climate plan that he has is, is $2 trillion and includes everything from environmental justice programs to holding polluters accountable and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that will be key. And the other thing I'll just add beyond like targeted spending is just the broader need for security and stability rather for the private sector. So mm-hmm. at Political Climate, we're doing a series called Ditched, which is about divestment of, from fossil fuels and investment in greener solutions. Mm-hmm. But the thing that keeps coming up, it's both encouraging that the private sector is doing this alone and that ESG investing is now a thing and they're searching mm-hmm. for places to park those dollars. It's a fascinating space, but there's only so much that can happen there. The mm-hmm. world needs to mobilize $1.5 trillion each year to get to net zero emissions by 2050. $1.5 trillion a year globally, mind you, but we're not even close to that right now. I think the last numbers I saw were around 500, 600 billion invested globally in low carbon solutions. Right. So you need the government to have stable policy to allow the private sector to then pour money in, but they need to know that you know, those loans will be repaid. They need to have a consistent policy environment. And that is going to be one of the biggest things that will then kind of like seep into the broader clean energy sector and will be necessary for bringing jobs back. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Keep fighting the good fight. (laughs) Absolutely. No, you too. I really appreciate it. And I think the last thing I'll say is it's got to be 100% for the 100% is the thing that I've learned the most this year. And that'll... (laughs) That's the line from New Energy Nexus, the startup accelerator. So hopefully we'll, we'll see that realized soon. Yeah, no, I hope so. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Greenlight Podcast. Are you looking for your next role in climate tech? Join the latest growing network of clean tech professionals and be the first to know about what industry-leading clean tech companies first post new job openings from development to finance to marketing by checking out our website, dylan-green.com slash latest hyphen jobs. Dylan Green is transforming business through talent. You can also find us on YouTube where we engage with today's top clean energy leaders.